we've been friends on the internet for a couple years now, and I know that you're a boy who likes to eat, uh, and I'm a boy who likes to eat. You're just in much better shape than I am. I am. I'm in okay shape. (laughs) Craig, you do like some, like every day you're posting some wildin' shit. Like, what are these things you're doing now with like where you run a mile and then do like 50, 40, 30, 10 of a bunch of shit and then run another mile? Yeah. What it? What is that? Not that makes me feel exhausted just thinking about it. <laughs> Holy fuck! So yeah, once a week I'm doing that mile buy-in, fifty squats, fifty sit-ups, forty squats, forty sit-ups, and then I run another mile at the end. Yeah, and then, and then, the, and then the next day you go do legs or some shit. At the yeah, end, I did. Right? De- like you're yeah, just... I was in an Olympic lifting oh, class this morning. <laughs> God. Well, anyway, we you know we we could do a food podcast, but like. I would have to start. Actually, that could be. I mean, in a, in a fantasy world, that could be really funny. Where like I try to get in shape, and we just talk about food and working out. But we're both like, you know, relatively sensitive boys who are not yeah. the definition of peak masculinity. You know what I mean? <laughs> we could just call it two soft boys talk about. Yeah, food. There we- <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's good. Edupunks podcast. This is your host Craig Biedemann bringing you another conversation with an everyday educator and DIY disruptor in the world that we live in. This week I am talking with my friend Jack Seneff. Jack uh, is a man that has been all around the country playing in a whole bunch of different bands uh, and now is setting off on his maiden voyage as a solo artist using his real name for the first time. We get into the decision to make that big move uh, with his new album coming out, which is called Good to Know You. It comes out next week, September 6th, uh, when this episode airs. It'll be next week. Uh, But this conversation is uh, one of my favorites because Jack and I met a couple years ago and have stayed in touch. And anytime we get to chat, it's always like a nice... um, good time because we feel i feel especially that we're two people that are very uh connected like just like our sounds like nice and oregon hippie of me but i feel like our spirits are very connected to one another just because of the ways that we carry ourselves and the type of conversations that we always have and so this conversation is no different and i hope that you enjoy that 
Uh, you do get to hear tunes from his new album, Good to Know You. Uh, we'll be playing uh, bits of three songs throughout the episode. Jack has been putting on DIY gigs and DIY uh, tours for a very long time, and now he's even booking his most recent tour uh, with his wife, which will be happening in October. So if he comes to your town, make sure that you go see him, support him. As always, I like to share that we are part of the Connect EDU network. Go to connectedu.network to find out all about all of our fantastic podcasts and internet content around higher education and all of the wonderful people that we get to talk to through all of our various mediums. You can also learn more about the nonprofit that Katie and I run, The Art of Survival, uh, by going to artissurvival.com. We also have a Patreon set up if you want to support us. That would be really great. We are just ordering a whole new batch of stickers to send to people. So I'm pretty excited to get those out into the world. And yeah, that's really all I have at the beginning of this episode. It's kind of a long conversation, but I hope you enjoy that. So here we go. This is my conversation with Jack Sennett. Still deaf ears and I tell you I'm sorry how it went down, how it went down, how you grew up when I so Jack, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Craig, I'm doing all right. Um, I'm just hanging out here in uh, Traverse City, Michigan. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'm sitting yeah. here in uh, Quincy, Massachusetts. It's a nice, uh, chill night. It's not very warm today. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's awesome. The The humidity seems to have cut the past few days. And we, we had a couple of days of like high 60s, super low 70s, which was... It was wonderful. It was like a, a, a wee taste of fall. Mm. I just, oh god, I was I was ready. My I had pants on, I had long sleeves. Oh. I was ready. Yeah, we were in pants today, and Katie even made a comment about it feeling like it was a a glimpse into fall. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was one of those one of those days where I I look forward to wearing sweaters very soon. <sighs> right, you know, sweater weather's coming, baby. I just I feel like you know as like. I don't know, creative, let's use the word hipster types. I feel like we get a bad rap for like wearing, you know, button up shirts and sweaters and stuff. And like, it's almost a stereotype at this point, but fuck it, I don't care. I love it. It's what I look like in the fall and it's how I'm most comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm warm. It's the, it's one of the only times there's like a two month window where I look at myself in the mirror and I go, you know, you're, you're okay. Yeah. You're not the worst piece of shit. And I think world. everyone you know looks what better I mean? in layers. Everyone looks better so in too. I think so too. Yeah, in the summer, there's just it's the fabric is too thin in the summer, and <laughs> and the uh, skin know, is showing, and not everyone wants to show skin. And those diagonal angles, like when you catch yourself in the reflection in the mm-hmm. summer, it's like, oh, it's rough. It's, I mean, yeah, it's rough. And for guys with legs, like shorts are a tricky thing to navigate. Am I right? For guys, yeah. With legs. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was gonna say, I think for anyone with with these uh, these big fuckers, I think you have, I have. I does it sound sounds like Katie maybe has some big old legs too. <laughs> Katie's laughing. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's uh it's nice when the the, the weather starts turning because I uh, I just look forward to not having to be sweaty in places i didn't know i could be sweaty and instead i could yep. be comfortable in all of the places mm-hmm. that's nice. the truth so jack you and i know each other a pretty decent amount 
at this point. We've been friends yeah. for a couple of years now. Uh, since you slept on my couch one night randomly after I met you. Uh, can you tell folks who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Jack. Um, when we met, it was a couple years ago, and I was playing in a band, which is, I mean, really just a solo project, but I like to call, think of it as a band called Boy Rex. Um, and we met in Boston. I was on tour with Tyler Daniel Bean, who is my good friend and an incredible musician himself. Uh, and then shortly after that, like within six months after that, I had a, I don't know, some sort of like existential breakdown and I, I quit doing the boy Rex thing and I just started writing new songs totally from scratch. And I just sort of hid out for a while here in Northern Michigan. Um, and, uh, I decided I wanted to just be me, um, you know, drop all the pseudonyms and the the band names, the projects, all those things, and just be called Jack M. Senef. Mm-hmm. M is my middle initial. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so that's that's who I am. I've been playing music for almost 15 years. Um, I grew up in Indiana, so most of my bands are from there. But, I mean, I've always had a sort of root in the greater Midwest musical community. Cool. So you yeah. got started with music when you're what? 12, 13, early years? Mm, yeah, I, I think it, I guess it was probably 15. Uh, I went to my first show, had no idea what was going on, and it was just like, it was, it was so, everyone there looked so cool. They all had like flat ironed hair. This was like yep. 2005 or six, maybe. You don't have to tell uh, me I about said, what the aesthetic was yeah. back then, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. I mean, just the tightest clothing, the straightest hair, everyone, I mean, like, boys looked like girls and girls looked like boys and it was so different from the sort of i I didn't have a conservative upbringing necessarily but you know i grew up in the church and with old people and we you know i like like to play football and baseball and stuff you know so like Mm -hmm. i went to my first show and it was just a bunch of fucking weirdos and the music was so heavy and i just thought this what this is what i gotta do Mm -hmm. you know um who and are you then, seeing? I mean, who are who are you watching? Oh, I mean, this is strictly low. I mean, local bands okay. like um, one of the very first bands that I got into was a band called The Rivalry. Okay. Um, they they spelled their name like they spelled Rivalry incorrect. I think it was like R I V E L R Y something like that. Um, but those guys became my friends, and they helped me. Like I, I got this wild idea that I wanted to throw a show at at my church, like like with my youth group. I brought it to the youth group. I was like, listen up, like. I think as a outreach program, we should throw a show. And no one knew what a show was. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I called it a concert. And uh, I asked this band, The Rivalry, um, if they could, like, well, if they wanted to play. And then Kevin and that band ended up, like, helping me get the PA and, like, asking a few other bands. Like you said, you know, you, you remember that time. It was a lot of, like, really, I don't, I'm terrible at, like, the subgenres of metal and hardcore. But... It was like grindcore bands, death metal, gnarly to me, like the gnarliest shit in the world to me. Um, and so anyway, I threw my first show, um, and and it went over well. And then I started throwing more shows, and I, I feel like the rest, you know, what's the the rest is history or whatever. You yeah. know, I just like one thing became another. The the two of the people in that band, the Rivalry, ended up starting a band with me. That which was my very first band. It was called. We are the Colossus. We are the Colossus. <laughs> uh, 
We are the class because so because back in the day, I also also played a lot of video games, and there was some I don't know some Marvel game that me and the bass player Cameron would play all the time at my house. I, honestly, I haven't thought I haven't thought about this in fucking like since it happened probably. But we were just playing it one night, and it was just like the character Colossus was so cool, <laughs> and the name Colossus was just so cool, you know. And it was I. I I don't, you know, I don't know how these things start. It was like, we are the Colossus. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, I think the influences for that band were supposed to be like Taking Back Sunday. Um, uh, like, I, Jesus Christ, I haven't thought about this in so long. But, yeah, but anyways, that was, that was my first band. I threw all my first shows at a church. Um, and then I just, you know, it's that's the, the framework of like my entire musical background was church shows (laughs) well i think that that's not atypical because i remember coming up doing a bunch like putting on even putting on shows in churches playing shows in churches uh katie and i talk Mm -hmm. about how we used to go to shows in churches all the time and like i saw i saw amberlynn and reliant k at a church it was sick yeah for sure um but like that's how a lot of folks get um even gigs still today, like some churches are willing to just open up their space. So it's like a nice, um, welcoming environment for the hardcore kids. Right. Right. And right. And that's, and that's definitely like what it became, you know, what started as this sort of like, you know, lark, this, you know, flight of fancy that I had at 15 years old, you know, for a couple of years became this, um, you, you know, like, yeah, like in South Bend, Indiana at the time, there just wasn't a lot of like safe, comforting places for like the hardcore kids the weirdo kids the kids who had drinking problems and drug problems way too young you know like it was like a bastion of just like community for them um once or twice a month you know on a friday or a saturday or whatever and we'd open the doors and i mean hundreds of kids would show up sometimes and the youth group you know would we'd all put it on my mom and dad were there and you know we'd have like slices of pizza and pop in the back and You know, occasionally, like some of the old people from church would would wander down and and just you know go wow, well, you know, look at this thing you're doing down here, you know. <laughs> and you know they they thank had you for no the idea. accent. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, like they had oh, no sure. idea what sort of like. I mean, we had bands that like there was a band that played actually a big kind of. So it started real small, only like local bands or regional bands. But then, at like in the middle and towards the end, we would we worked with a like a promoter guy who would bring in national touring acts, you know, um, no one in the, in the, you know, big world of music, but it, higher up in the underground tier. So anyways, there was a band called waking the cadaver. Do you remember the band waking the cadaver? I do not. I mean, it was one of those bands who had like the crate, like the, the logo with the like insane, like scribble lettering, oh, you know, yeah, that, that doesn't looks look like, like the anything. Roots of a tree. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so waking the cadaver played one night and they like, like ripped a bible in half during their set and this was like in the basement of a church you know just like create you know one night there was this like fuck, there's this insane so in it i mean i'm sure it's the same way ever but there would be these like crews i guess they're called that are associated to like your area code mm-hmm. so i think it was 219 we were 574 and then 219 was like in the like kind of harder parts of indiana right and so <laughs> and so there was this big show where these like big hardcore bands were playing and the two one nine crew rolled through and the like security team at 
Because at, at that point, we had so many kids who came to shows um, that we had to have some sort of, like, quote, security, you know. And the security was just literally just made up of, like, the street rat gutter punk kids who, like, came to church and loved my mom, who was the Sunday school teacher. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was, I think at, it, it was it was pretty wholesome, but they were very rough kids, you know. Um, and so, anyways, this 209 crew rolls in, and they start they start picking a fight with our security and I, it just escalates over, you know, throughout the show. And then once everyone clears out this like, like full on like battle happens in the bottom of the church and two one nine starts fighting this, you know, the RPM, it was called RPMP at this church thing we did. And the starts fighting the RPMP security crew. And it was the, clo- it, wow. I haven't, it was the closest I've ever been to a fight in my life. Cause oh I, my I've gosh. been like, I've been a, I mean, on on, you know, like I've been a pacifist, I guess, most of my life. Not necessarily by choice, just because I'm a coward. And (laughs) and this fight happened, and I was, you know, it was kind of like a big, like, well, oh shucks, like there's a fight happening in the church, and I, I was just, you know, I didn't know what to to fucking do. And anyways, there was at the end, there was just like sweat and blood all over the floor, and like some kid spit on me, and like it was crazy. Anyway. The old people at church had no idea this shit was happening on Friday and Saturday nights at the at the basement of the River Park Methodist Community Church, you know. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I started a band, and then oh, I mean, this is kind of a longer conversation. But eventually, my my faith was <laughs> was tested, and my family left the church, and I started throwing shows in a abandoned house that my girlfriend's dad owned at the time. It was like in kind of a tough part of south bend called the west side um a lot of crime and stuff but you know they they lived over there and across the street was this house called the the cabana house i think because it's a cabana style house Hmm. um but at the time you don't care about that it's just called the cabana house um and it had like a chandelier in the inside and you walked in there was no running water there wasn't a bathroom you had to pee in the backyard but anyway, so I started this thing at the church that then moved over. Like, as I got through high school, it moved over to this house. Um, and I just, for a long time, I was like, you know, o- other shows were going on, but I was, I tried really hard to, like, bring DIY music to South Bend. Um, you know, there there was there was always that sort of, that hardcore metal scene. That that's I think that's where I started, but then I shifted more into sort of the bands I was in, which was like... You know, East Coast screamo, um, emo music. You know that th- those big labels. Um, those are the kind of bands that that I started to want to actually see. You know, because I started playing that music, and then it was like, well, you know, w- what if those bands came here? What if I didn't have to go to Chicago or drive out to Philadelphia in my grandpa's car? Or, you know what I mean? Like, what if what if South Bend became a place on the map for touring bands? And so I made it my my life's mission when I was seventeen, eighteen years old to like bring people to South Bend. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. And, you know, I mean, I mean, to this day, I mean, like, you know, bands like um, My Heart to Joy, who mm-hmm. became, a lot of the members became The World Is, um, what was, uh, he's in Spirit of the Beehive now, Glockamora, like Glockamora played a couple times, I think Snowing showed up once, I mean, I, you know, it was just like, at the time, I think now there's this sort of, like, this sort of, the, <laughs> like emo music has become this strange like cult you know and yeah, like no, you're not people wrong. people talk about 
you know, bands like Algernon Cadwallader and Snowing and, I mean, my, my bands too, as if they're like these like mythical sort of like, you know what I mean, like forces. But at the time, like, Christ, I was, you know, I was, like I said, like, I was 17, 18, 19 in that range and they were just these like slightly older, usually just punk dudes who would roll through and, you know, we would get real sweaty in this abandoned house. They would usually sleep at my dad's house and then they would leave and it was just kind of like, sweet you know it's like what we did and now it's like as time has passed as a decade has gone by it's like these bands that i just i loved at the time but you know i i didn't know they would go on to become what they are today you know what i mean yeah and like it's funny because i i think i was wearing one of your shirts at um work one day because i work at a college Mm -hmm. and um one of my students came up and was like, oh, shit, I love Boy Rex. And I love Jack. And he just, like, started listing off, like, every band you've been in. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is so, it's such a big deal. And I'm like, Jack's yeah. chill. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> Craig, listen, it's like, I mean, I've. What's it like? I, well, it's, 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 very, it's very surreal. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about it sort of at length in a, a few other places, but I mean, the short of it is just like, it keeps getting more and more surreal every year that passes, you know, the more, because I think the thing is I, I keep getting older and the kids who start, who are finding my bands are like young, you know, they're like 15, 16, 17. And so like the farther I get from that age, the less I, I really connect or like get that mindset, you know? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think it's, I'll always think it's just incredible and awesome that like anyone gives a shit and, you know, when they find my, my bands and they, you know, they have some sort of like emotional, I don't know, connection or like cathartic experience with it, you know, like that's amazing. Like really, that's truly incredible. But, but like, I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. like I, I I don't remember what it's like to be (laughs) that angry that raw that like truly emotional you know you get older i mean you know how old are you you're like 20 late 20s right uh, i turned 32 this year oh shit all right well you look good man uh <laughs> thank you but right so you're 32 i'm i'm 28 and it's just like you know the older you get the more that everything just let you know layers develop and everything becomes a lot more nuanced and subtle and like you know, the, the, like the color spectrum of emotions just sort of softens and becomes, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just different, you know, when you feel things now, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe you, you wear it all on your sleeve. I guess I don't, I don't know you on a super personal level, but I just, you know, no, I, you're, 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 you're completely right because I mean, uh, and even the version of you that I know is mm. like, I, I've gone back and listened to, uh, the other stuff that you've made and I'm like, that's not. The person that right. I know, it's 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 funny because like I also used to scream in a metal band in college, and mm-hmm. like when I show that to people, they're like, "Oh, I could totally see you doing that," but yeah. like my personality is not that, and right. like especially right. like today, I'm a very like chilled out. I'm a pretty chilled out person at this point, thanks you mm-hmm. to medication. But yeah. um, the the once you get to a certain level, like certain like part of your life like i've i've already been sober for seven years and like mm-hmm. katie's only known me for five and yeah. like does when i tell them stories about when i was drinking they're like i can't imagine you 
as that person. And so right. like I've already I feel like I've already lived a whole other life and now I'm oh. getting like another one yeah. to live. Yeah, no, for sure that's that's like that's a real great way to think about. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're not old by any stretch, but yeah, it, it feels like like different lives, you know? Like when mm-hmm. I think about it right now, thinking about when I was younger, that age and that person that I was, I was so intense. I'm sure you were too. We all are. I think that's why the bands I was in you know, feel so kind of immediate to kids today is because I was fucking, oh, I was wound up and I was stressed and I was angry and my parents were getting a divorce and like my first girlfriend and I, or I guess I had another girlfriend, but my first real love, like we just were volatile. You know what I mean? Like truly like just not very good to each other. I mean, we loved each other and I think it was a super important relationship, but like I think about the the highs and the lows of those days and like, I mean, fuck, man. I, I <laughs> there are people who probably only remember me from those times, and I, I, I legitimately kind of clench and I go, "Oh, I, I hope I can meet you again at some point." <laughs> That's because, how I feel. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's real. Like, okay, so for example, uh, on this tour I'm going on in October, um, I'm playing a show in Maryland at a, a really great little spot called Grateful Acres. Um, my friend Sammy Heck does shows there, and I guess uh, John Gomes from Snowing and um, Street Smart Cyclists, like his band, um, Bad Heaven LTD, which I think is limited, they're also playing, right? Mm. And, I mean, that's cool. Like, Bad Heaven's, from what I've listened to, it's it's really cool. But, like, the last time I saw John Gomes, I was maybe 18. I think we were in, like, uh, Lancaster, Lancaster, Pennsylvania at a burrito shop. Lancaster and God, I mean, I, I think I've always been like a, like a pretty decent person, but fuck, I was obnoxious oh, and you know, I mean the jokes we told at the time were, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, it was just a different landscape. You know what I mean? And oh, so everything, sure. everything just was different and I'm just, yeah, I'm excited to like shake John's hand and be like, Hey, like real, real good to meet you now, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, I hope that I did not leave the most miserable impression 10 years ago, you know? Oh, for sure. I've I've <sighs> lived that life of being the obnoxious. I'm kind of still, like, I still love attention. I can't lie. Mm-hmm. I love sure. attention. But I'm yeah. not like, I, wa- I used to be like an 11. I'm more around like a <laughs> 7 now. Yeah. And yeah. like, I... I when I even like I I recently had like coffee with a friend from high school who I hadn't seen since high school and she was like you're just so mellow now and I'm like Mm -hmm. yeah I mean life changes you you get a little bit older and I I love that and so even like some of my friends from college who I like I've been out in Massachusetts for six years now some of Mm -hmm. my friends from college like my close friends even like notice like you're way different than when you left here and I'm like yeah Massachusetts (laughs) to some degree has one made me a little bit more of an asshole if anything yeah and two it's also chilled me out a lot yeah I don't know it's weird life's weird yeah for sure. I mean, like leaving, you know, I grew up in South Bend and Indiana, which is has become more progressive, um, I think, in the last handful of years, especially <laughs> with the advent of uh, Mayor Pete, who, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are fans of um, and who seems like a genuinely pretty good guy and did a lot of good things for South Bend. 
but you know yeah it's just like 10 years ago mid 2000s like my uh one of my best friends brian who actually plays on my album he's like he's i love brian so much but uh brian refers to that to that time as peak filth because it was like the my it was like the myspace age and it was just like fuck it was like lawless you know it was Mm -hmm. like the wild west and like especially because he he grew up in pennsylvania and i grew up in like said, Indiana. I mean, I know you grew up in in Oregon, right? Or yep. did you just go to school? Okay, right. So I think I think you had the slight benefit of being on the coast and 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 getting early access to the things that it took a long time for us Midwestern kids mm. to get. You know, just like general, Jesus, just general education. I mean, even the slightest idea of political correctness was not did not start coming into things until I was seventeen, eighteen years old. You oh know? yeah, it was impressed uh, in me pretty young. Right, totally. like I was so, like, called we, out on a yeah. lot of stuff very young, mm-hmm. and it was impressed yeah. in me early. Yeah, and we like okay. So there was a band from Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville has has always been in the Midwest anyway, slightly more liberal, slightly more progressive. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a really great band from there called Mountain Asleep. And uh, my band Merchant Ships on uh, MySpace made some. I don't I I don't even remember what they were called like the, the there was like the journal function on MySpace you know mm-hmm. and we made something and we used the word gay in passing right like to describe something I I I really don't think it was anything like malicious or intense it was just like I mean you remember back in the day gay just meant mm-hmm. well that's that's not, I mean gay had a lot of uses right yeah and I and and it got used I think my, my, maybe my drummer said I don't remember how it happened but this Mountain of Sleep band like sent us sent us a message and was like hey look that's not cool like you can't say that kind of stuff and there was like an initial pushback and we were just like well fuck that band like they can't tell us what to say (laughs) and it was just like because it was like i mean it was like brand new i mean we had never like legitimately never in my life had i had i been told that i shouldn't use the you know we shouldn't use the word gay outside of to describe someone's you know what i mean sexual orientation or whatever like like it was just that was just a turn of phrase. Well, that's gay, you know. Yeah. And I feel like that's an easy one. I think a lot of people have that sort of moment. But, um, you know, yeah, we didn't we didn't have that. And so, I, you know, leaving leaving Indiana, I, the first, I moved to Washington um, to Seattle with my now wife um, and Randall. But we moved there when we were, I think, we just turned nineteen. And I mean that that began my as you know, as you say, chill out, my chill out journey of just being this like edgy, angry kid to like learning to shut the fuck up and just like look around and see this big, beautiful world around me and like all the different types of people that exist, you know, and the different, you know, everything. And then I, and then I ended up going to a college in Washington called the Evergreen State College, Mm -hmm. which you you may be familiar with. I'm very familiar with it. yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that's like <laughs> that's where truly. you became a hippie <laughs> yeah i mean like yeah in my own in my own way sure yeah i mean but that was like you know very woo i love the term woo but that was like some mickey mouse in the woods mm-hmm. like like just but you know it's where i it's where i just i really learned a lot about myself and again i just learned about what it means to to like embrace and accept respect and and really just love everyone you know and that i mean that 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 does sound pretty hippie but 
but it was, yeah. but it was, but it was fucking necessary, man. You know, in, in Indiana, like I said, that peak filth age of the MySpace time, like it, I needed it, and I needed to leave the South Bend's kind of big, but like the world is a lot bigger, and so I needed to leave that the sort of like small, tiny town that I was in, and and really get some exposure, and then like Em and I went to Japan. We went to the UK. Um, my band William Bonnie went on a couple big tours that took me all around the United States, um, and that was just yeah. I mean, you have to. I mean, what's the fucking like the fish thing? You know, you gotta you put a fish in a bigger fish tank, it it gets bigger. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like I I had I, I just had to grow. Um, exact so yeah, same, that was really yeah. The exact same thing happened when I moved to Massachusetts, just getting a chance to start new. And that was like a good time for me because I was a year sober and getting a chance to actually have a different life. And mm-hmm. um, now I, I literally like th- this is where I'm going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is sure. where this is like where my life has has led me. And this is where I'm going to be. This is where we've we've this is where our family is going to exist. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where. I had to leave Oregon Craig behind so I could go find what uh, what other what the next Craig would be. was a little bit of Redbird by Jack Seneff, so make sure that you stick around to hear more from a whole song and then a whole other song and then some more stuff. You're just getting to hear a whole bunch of Jack on this episode. But now let's get back to this conversation that I had with Jack right now. Uh, now. Let's talk about some music. Yeah, for sure. So um, Boy Rex, you said, was kind of a solo thing, but it was also yeah. a band. Yeah, so there there was a point in college at the end where I I, I tell I've told the story a lot to my writer friends and stuff, but I was outside of a class and I was sitting around a group. At this, I honestly I, I don't even know who was there. I didn't make a lot of friends in college, so the names are unimportant. But we were talking about you know what we're gonna do with our degrees and with our life and stuff. And I was like, well, you know, I like to think of it as I have you know a couple different pots. I have music and I have writing. And I figure I'll just water both of them and then see which one yields some fruit, which which grows, right? And this kid looks up at me and he just goes, he just goes, well, you can't do both, right? Hmm. You know, it did that that like comma right question mark. You, a lot of people use. I think he's kind of smug and pretentious, but he's like, we can't do both, right? And I went, what do you mean? And I was like, so I just got so mad. I mean, not like outwardly, you know, explicitly mad to him, but it was this frustrating like 
moment of like, no, fuck you. I can do both. I can be a famous writer and a famous musician, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but he was right. I mean, to be truly good at something, you got to commit to it, you know? And I said, all right, I guess I'm going to commit to playing music. Um, I had started a band called NOLA, short-lived, um, but I started it with my friends, um, Ethan and Garrett and Joseph, who I'd known through other bands. You know, I'd played with Garrett in another band. and You know, Bob, it's all connected. Like, the ecosystem of who I actually am friends with and play with like began about 10 years ago and it hasn't really changed. You know, a few people, (laughs) a few people have come into the fold, but for the most part, everything is comprised of the same like 10 people, you know? Um, And so anyway, I, I I was in this band NOLA and I, I thought maybe that was going to be the band, but then we didn't, it just didn't really make sense. I don't think we were all on the same page with like the scope of the, of what we wanted to do, you know? Um, And so I, I flew back home to Washington this is obviously before I'd moved to Michigan, and I said, well, I'm going to try to play guitar and sing and just do it my way, because if I don't have to worry about what other people want, you know, if I don't, if it's not a democracy, if, or if, if, rather, if it's a democracy of one, then I can do anything I want. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't have to, like, you know, the progress doesn't have to be halted because, you know, so-and-so doesn't like this part or doesn't want to do this or that that shirt color is wrong, you know, whatever. So, um I started Boy Rex. I wrote all the songs. I had my friend Eli play drums. My dad played trumpet. I recorded it there. Um, and yeah, and that started this this like two year chain of events where I like went on a bunch of big tours. Um, I wrote I wrote and recorded three albums, um, and it was a I mean it was great. It was a very sort of eye opening, you know, like I say, watershed time in my life that I at the when I was in it, I didn't realize it was, but it was like me trying to make it at music. You know, I'd went to school and now I was going to be a songwriter. Yeah. And um, somewhere in there, I met my friend Brian, the one I mentioned a little bit ago. And and I just, you know, he, he, had, he had been in a similar place that I was in. He was in this post-rock band called Dead Horse. Um, and, and he had tried to like, quote, do it, you know, try to make it. Like they went on a bunch of tours. They went to Europe did a bunch of albums, you know, the big merch hustle, like, like in all intents and purposes, different genres, different times, but he tried to do what I was doing, you know? And, and I met him when he was out of that and he was looking back and he was like, I, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe what you're doing isn't the answer, you know, like maybe the music isn't right. Maybe, you know, he just made me really question and be critical and, and, and really think about things. Um, and then, then I just, honestly got burned out Hmm. and too many too many big life things back to back you know i graduated school i moved home i went on like six tours i wrote three albums i got married i went to japan for a second time like it was just like but it was like back to back to there was like very little breathing time in there you know it's just like it was constant motion and i was on tour last year i don't think i saw you i think i i think maybe we had talked or tried but i don't think i saw you but no um yeah, I went on this full band tour as Boy Rex, and it was—I mean, it was fun because I was with my friends. But like, we all got the flu, and <laughs> and the shows weren't great. And I just realized that like I'd been—I'd been doing—I'd been, been doing it maybe for the wrong reasons, you know. Like, like maybe I was trying too hard to 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 be 
successful in all caps and also quotation marks you know what i mean like whatever the whatever that means i wanted it you know i wanted a hundred zillion fucking uh spotify streams i wanted the big you know i I would i would like every day like talk to am about what labels might pick me i mean like i was just like in it i was having like bizarre like rock star fantasies and the music wasn't that good and the shows weren't that great and it just like was unrealistic you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so so anyway couple that with just getting fucking burned out i was like woof i got i got chill and that brings us full circle to the beginning of our little conversation here in which yeah i just had to hide out for a while and decide to be jack himself and not boy rex or noel or william bonnie or you know these these other things that i you know at the time felt like peak success and 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 the top of the mountain it's like i don't know it's i I just got to stop thinking about things in in these these terms of like best or worst or high you know there's like there is a middle a middle point to everything you know yeah do you feel in coming to um the determination that you're going to release music as your real name do you feel like it is like this is you like this is like because i know the hiding i know having hid behind a moniker for a the entire time i've made music it's mm-hmm. given me that level of distance yeah um, for sure i've never really just gone by my name because my name is hard to pronounce and i just feel like people wouldn't want to it's not mar- it's not a marketable name. That's just how I've always, like I can't just say it rhymes with vitamin all the time. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but um, I've always felt like there's still that a good amount of distance. Uh, yeah. But once you put your name on it, how does that feel? Even more? Does that feel even more like personal, if you will? I mean, sort of like Boyrex. Uh, you know, Boyrex. For, for whatever it became, it was never not personal. You know, like the last album I did that I don't think really anyone listened to is called Live from the Far Away. And I don't think people listened to it because they thought it was a live album. But I was just, I was trying to like riff on some like old album I had seen. Anyway, whatever. But so the last album was like deeply personal. It was basically just about like feeling disillusioned with music and like being poor and like very like real feelings that I had. But the lyrics, I tried to make them you know like too like not commercial necessarily but i wanted to like i wanted to somehow try to transpose my experience and like make it palatable to everyone you know in a way that like would get me on spotify playlist which is stupid and so mm-hmm. yeah so taking off that mask you know getting rid of that distance it's it's not that this music's that much more intimate i mean i've i've literally always just made songs about what i'm feeling you know, the language has changed and I've gotten, I think, better at saying things. But like, it's always just been about me and like, but and not necessarily in like a narcissistic way, but just like it's from my viewpoint, you know, it's yeah. like my POV. And like, so the Jack Incentive songs are just, you know, I, I feel, yeah, right now, I think they're the most honest and organic sort of thing I can do, you know, extension of me. But, but the truth of it is just that I, I can't just quit being me you know what i mean it's like when i'm boy rex or you know when you're this or when you're that it's like you can just kind of pull the plug and like it's easy to say well my band broke up you know like that's a common occurrence i can't just say i'm not jack anymore you know what i mean like like it was this i had to sort of embrace this identity of like artist and songwriter and and musician you know i I had to say this this is who i am 
And like whether I'm poor my whole life trying to make it happen or not, it doesn't matter because I can't, there's nothing I want to do than like play my guitar and sing for people. You know what I mean? Um, so, so in that sense, like in a sort of like greater sense, yes, it is more real and personal, but it's also just a way for me not to be able to back out, you know, and not to get scared and Hold also yourself just, accountable. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, like, like if I'm like this, this album I just wrote called good to know you, like, like truthfully between you and I, like I, I already can't listen to it. Like, it's like all I hear, like, I just, I just wish I could change so many things. And like, I hear it and I go, God, do I really sound like that? And like, who's going to like this? But it doesn't matter because it has my name on it and it's not, it's not even out yet. And, and so, you know, that's just, that's also just who I am. I'm extremely self-critical and, you know, I, I'm unable to really embrace and be happy with anything I do. So, well, I mean, having just even very recently listened to it because you sent me the link the other day, which yeah. again, thank you. Um, yeah. It's organic. <clears throat> it feels like I'm sitting in the room with you, which I think is like a really cool um, touch that yeah. not a lot of not a lot of albums give. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, is that something that you like consciously thought about when you were? putting the songs together like you want it to feel like you're in the room with you or was it more of like it just ended up being this way (laughs) yeah i mean like i think a lot of that magic kind of comes from what um his name is mike kenway uh who's been my buddy for years and years he he's in a like a crazy metal band called in ghost like not someone who you would think that's putting together the sort of album that good to know you is but he's just a you know he's a killer engineer and producer um but I gave him the raw materials, which was, yeah, it was me in my living room recording a lot of it. Um, a lot of it's just direct in the, the drums I recorded with two microphones, you know, a lot, I mean, I don't know how much you've recorded or how much, if anyone's listening to this has recorded, but usually drums, there's like a thousand microphones, Mm -hmm. you know, you have one on the snare and all the, all this business, but I put one in the kick and we rigged one above the kit and that was it. And Hmm. Yeah, and I just, yeah, so I, like, so the Boy Rex albums were very produced, very loud, very, I mean, they sound incredible. My my friend Matt, like, Matt Riefler, he just did an unbelievable job making them exactly what they were supposed to be, and so for Jack Senef, I wanted to do the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just sort of part of the process, part of the artistic, you know, d- drive or mission of, of this this album. It was like, how can I make this sound... I don't like. To, I didn't want to like manufacture the organic quality, but I did want it to sound a little more raw, a little more intimate, yeah. a little more, you know, like you say, in the room. Um, so I can't take full credit, but yes, there was the intention of it being a little more lo-fi, low-key, that kind of thing. Yeah, because it's just like a sipping my tea kind of album. I love that. Yeah. And, well. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's. Just real quick, I mean, like, so when I was telling you about when I met Brian and and we were, you know, a couple years ago, like, I went to his house and and he showed me this this uh, this album called Golden Age by Chris Staples, um, mm-hmm. and it was like two o'clock. Brian goes to sleep at crazy. He's like his his life is a lot so much different from mine in terms of like time schedule, and and I was on tour, so I was like fuck it, whatever. But we were up. It was like two thirty in the morning, which is way past my bedtime. And he puts on this album and it's just like, I hear it, Craig. And it was like, it was like, I'd never heard a song before, you know? Hmm. And, and it was just like, it was this like, oh, this like release, you know, almost. And, 
and I, and literally since that since that moment, I've been on this just power quest to like like make music. Now I don't want to make music like that necessarily, but like whatever that feeling is that I felt when I heard it, that's what I want all of my songs to do. Obviously, mm. you know the, the 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 timbre will be different on all of them, and like you know some will be faster or quieter or louder or softer, but but like I want that feeling of like this is what music is supposed to be. And I don't even necessarily mean when someone listens to my songs. I mean, when I write, record, and then listen back, I need to go, oh, this is what music is supposed to be like. You oh, know? This feels good. I like this. Yeah, yeah. And so even if I only feel it once, ever, in the entire process of writing and recording a song, if I, if I feel it one time, whether it's at the very beginning when I'm, when I'm you know, figuring the chords out or when I've put a, a, a harmony on a vocal, it's like if I get that feeling of like, shit, this is pretty good that's it then i know it's like boom i'm committing to it you know i can't i can't if i overthink stuff i won't do it you know i'm anal fucking retentive about that shit like it's like i'm just neurotic to a fault like i will overthink it overthink overthink and then i just won't do it you know um yeah i'm one of those uh (laughs) folks that when i started making music i didn't really exactly know what i was doing and mm-hmm. so, like, when I f- sat down to write songs for the first time, I was like, I'm going to try to cover some stuff and figure out how to play guitar from there. And yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> when I first started writing songs, I was like, okay, cool, I can write an Andy Hole song. Okay, cool, I can write a Dallas Green song. Okay, cool, yeah, I can yeah. cover Sufjan Stevens, whatever. But, mm-hmm. like, when is it going to be me, like, my type mm-hmm. of, like, the music that I ended up yeah. creating and then i i finally felt like i did that on the like second album that i put out and mm-hmm. it's like the mashup of spoken word and acoustic stuff and it was the first time that i ever felt like good about what yeah. i was doing because For it was sure. finally like every song that i wrote i was like no this is my new favorite song that i wrote nope mm-hmm. nope this one's my favorite song that i wrote nope yeah. this one is and even the guy who helped me produce it as he was like mastering it and going through it all, he's like, this is my new favorite song of yours. No, never mind. It's this one. And like, that was one of those feelings where I was like, well, this is going to be a special friggin' record because like I, I get that feeling from all of these songs. And even when I go back and play them again, I'm like, man, I am not the person I was when I wrote that album, but Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that I wrote that album. And even now, like I've been trying to, uh, last year, right before my accident, I was, I had a full band together and Mm -hmm. we were playing some of those songs and it was just like, it would bring a smile to my face. Just I've had these songs for so many years and finally putting other music to it and having other Mm -hmm. people be like, this is sick. Like that felt so good. And now like I'm finally picking up the guitar again that I'm feeling like I have some time to do so. Um, Figuring out what I'm going to write next is one of those weird feelings because I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping to come back and find those feelings again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, like I, was, I think we were talking about before we started officially this conversation, but, um, you know, my wife and I are going to be playing together on tour this year. Um, just she and I as like an acoustic two piece. Um, and tonight we had our first like band practice, for lack of a better term. And it was just like the second we started playing one of the songs, it was like, yeah, that feeling of like, oh, oh, this is a good song. Like this does work and it feels good, you know, like, but in my head, I only have that like really insane sort of like hypercritical, you know, like creation of it in my head. Like when I think of 
you know, like there's this one song on, on the new album called Watershed. Like when I think of it, all I hear is the terrible piano part. I don't know why the fuck we put in there. And I go and I go, that's the worst song I've ever fucking heard. But then the other <laughs> but then the other day, oh, a couple actually a couple weeks ago, I guess I was I was uh, filming this music video with my friends um, and the director of that video was like he, he had put the album on on his like Bluetooth speaker just to sort of like play through it as we were setting up, you know, to kind of, I guess, get in the the, the spirit of things. Um, I, I put up, I was like, oh, we don't have to. Like, I didn't want to, I couldn't, the burning like, embarrassment of hearing myself in front of people. But you know what? It was a pleasant surprise because it was like I hadn't listened to the album in a month or two. And some of the songs, that Watershed song, I think that piano part is still fucking butt. And I don't know why we did it. But uh, the song, it's not bad, you know, like yeah. like hearing it. You know, we weren't necessarily playing it like, in, you know, with instruments, but like I was in a room with other people and I, I had to force myself to kind of get out of my head a little bit and get out of my skin and just like be a part of things. And like tonight it was the same same feeling. It's like we played this song called Redbird and it was just hearing, you know, M did some, she was singing over the top and like playing some like little guitar with it. And it was just, man, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was this sort of, you know, and I don't, I don't. I mean to say that with any sort of like you know ego or something but it's just like it's a beautiful like it is a beautiful song and like and like it works and it's i'm glad that i can still feel that way even if like once we disconnect or in the morning i think about redbird and i go oh god it's a terrible song you know what i mean um <laughs> sorry yeah these are really long answers but no i uh, dig it but but yeah i'm i'm with you 100 percent. it is nice to revisit older material and kind of get maybe not necessarily back into the exact headspace you were, but to sort of like feel those things again and like see and understand where it came from initially, because maybe it got washed away, you know, in the sort of ebb and flow of, of the days in between when you wrote it or recorded it. And then when you're revisiting it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, I was recently just thinking about how, um, when I was putting together the last thing that I put out, the I put out an EP in 20, <clears throat> 2017, <clears throat> and that was the first time I ever brought other people in to help me um, mm-hmm. make the songs or do anything. Um, and it was the first time I ever gave up any sort of... Um, what's control. The word? Control, yeah. yeah. And it was terrifying to me. Yeah, because I. The only thing other other experience I had was either doing it myself or being the singer in this metal band where I the only control <laughs> I had was screaming into a microphone. Um, yeah. And so bringing other people into this like very personal album, right? Like uh, that I wrote about losing my dad. Like mm-hmm. it was an insanely like v- uh, scary position to be in because i was just like i don't know how this is gonna sound um Mm -hmm. but it ended up becoming this like really big thing that i'm like incredibly proud of now and um it's wild how much just collaboration can change that sort of thing even with like a such a personal project so i think it's actually really super sick that you and em are going to be doing this project together like out on the road because that's like not only is it super cute but it's also like, like you're opening up your songs to to share with your wife and yeah, play them yeah. together. Well, I mean, she gets like on like on the actual like physical record, she gets 
I mean, it, it was definitely an inside joke, but I, I think I credit her as like, as like special producer or like executive producer. You know, I gave her some like title yeah. because, because she's the one, I mean, she hears everything before anyone, like, you know, I, I write a lot of my songs, uh, in the, <laughs> in the bathroom and, and I'll like, it's like, it's like every, I have, a, I have a routine, whatever. And, and then, you know, I'll, I'll get, I'll get songs and parts together. And once I feel real good about them, I kind of like wander out into the living room or, or wherever she is. And I go, and what do you think? And then I'll play it. And, you know, there's countless moments on this new album. I mean, a lot of my music in the last four or five years, but like on this album specifically where like she was the guiding and deciding force between like major decisions, you know? Like, I went, here's A, here's B, and I may have loved A, but she's like, no, no, what are you talking about? It, it's obviously B. Yeah. And then I go, oh, shit, you're right. You know, even that, like, minor collaboration is just, is critical. You know, the last Boy Rex album I did um, was kind of like, you know, you were saying about your album. is like the first time I really, like, let people in and, and just kind of said, please just do your thing. Like, like I brought all, like, my at the, my closest friends, my the, some of my absolute favorite players in the entire world into this cabin in indiana and i was just and they kept being like jack what do you want me to do here and i just kept going i I want you to do whatever you feel and you hear because that's that's why we're together right now because i trust your instincts you know Mm -hmm. it's like i can tell you what i hear in my head and if you really need it sure i I will tell you but like but like like what does your heart say like what like where do your fingers go on the guitar or the piano right you know and i think that that like that sort of collaborative factor even if it's my name at the top is just is critical and also you know if you look back at, at like older songwriters and 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 players you know like someone like James Taylor I love James Taylor or like Neil Young or something right like if you look on their records like they the players on on their albums like the list is huge there's usually like 6 7 8 9 10 people yeah. and it's not like James Taylor was writing a saxophone part he brought saxophone bro in and it was just like, do your thing. This is what you're good at, yeah. you know? And I just think that, like, when I was younger, you know, and you, you want that control and you just, I, you know, I felt like if I didn't have it, it wouldn't be the ultimate expression of what I what I wanted to do. But it's, no, it's like the exact opposite. It's like to really get the full expression of what I feel, you know, or hear or see or whatever. It's like, I got to do what I'm good at and then trust the people who are good at what they do to do what they do. And that'll really, you know what I mean, to put it all together. It's the sum of the parts, not just, you know, one or two people or things individually. Yeah. Man, now I've got a lot to think about next time I bring other people in to work with me. Yeah, I mean, as long, yeah, I just think as long as, like, you know, you have the core vision and you have some sort of basic roadmap, I think it's fun. I mean, this sounds cheesy, but I think it's fun to get lost, you know, and fun to, 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 to take different paths that maybe you didn't anticipate taking and trying weirdo shit because sometimes that weirdo shit is like what it's supposed to be you know like oh, so for sure yeah so sort of like anchor it like the first single from my album is called old days and brian and i were sitting in one of the bedrooms at my grandpa's house and and he's like so what do you want to do here and i just kind of was like off the top of my head i was like you know i've kind of always heard like a like a lead line and he goes, okay, like what? And I just started whistling it, and it was, it was, it wasn't a joke. But I mean, I I never whistled this before. I didn't know this is what it sounded like. And so what you hear now, his guitar part, which in my opinion is like the hook of the song, it makes it. It's like this like Quentin Tarantino like cowboy you know part. That was literally just me and him 
just fucking around at like nine o'clock at my grandpa's house. That was not intended. That wasn't, I, I didn't hear that month, you know, weeks and months before. Yeah. And that makes, to me, that makes the whole song. It's like the dum, da, 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 you know, like when you put it on, it's the first thing you hear. Um, so anyway, that's just an easy example of like, just let it, ha- you know, see what happens. That That's it also, I, for me personally, that's where it's the most fun, you know? Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. Like, Telling so the one of the the album that I put out called uh, with foreign lips and strange tongues. There's a song mm-hmm. on it that was the first song that I ever wrote in a major chord, and okay. it's the only like positive thing I think I've ever written, like upbeat. <laughs> yeah. And my buddy who was like producing, mastering it or whatever, like I gave it to him. I'm like, take these songs, add anything that feels right to you. And mm-hmm. on this song, he added a massive like. Imagine being back in church, this like, <laughs> do, 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 like, yeah, just yeah. epic piano behind it. And I was like, holy shit, that's a completely different song now. Yeah, And yeah. like, uh, it's something that like, I would have never thought to have done. So it's nice to like, throw those things at other people and just be like, what would you do to this? Just right. do what you would do to this, because I'm out of ideas now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because there are other times too where, like, I put so much creative energy into you know every other at like whatever it is that like I I, I sometimes like you know Brian because Brian also played piano um, on this album, and and there would be times where he'd be like, "What do you hear here?" And the honest answer was like, "Fuck, Brian, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. I just know that it's empty, and I know we have to put something." Yep. You know. And like, I think that's you know I don't know you you know you you hear stories about like the the pro or like people who are just like legendary at whatever they are you know like just you know whatever big time drummer or, or guitar player or whatever and and you think about them well shit you can think about in any art you can think about writing or or you know public speaking anyone who is like the master of their craft like they all like no one starts really good you know no. like. Or, or even if you've been doing it forever, it's not like you, you know, you pick up the guitar or the pen or whatever it is your, you know, your sort of tool is, and and you all kind of start at the same place, you know. It's like a first draft of a of a piece of writing or something. It's like it's probably not very good, or maybe you have no idea what the fuck you're doing, and it's you know you just get better at the at the revision and and you know figuring out where to play and and, and trusting your instinct. You know. Yeah, I'm sure you're probably similar. Like, you'll take your phone out, put on the record button, mm-hmm. and then you'll end up with, like, 17 different demo tracks of the same oh, song. And absolutely. then you realize, and then the song will actually be done, and you'll go back and be like, I don't know what the hell I was thinking about in this take. <laughs> what the yeah. hell is this? Why did I even keep this? Why is this still here? Delete. Yeah, um, sure. So, Jack, the new yeah. album uh, comes out September 6th. September 6th, yep, uh, digitally September 6th. I think there may have been, as of this conversation, a snafu, uh, some sort of imperfection with the, the, the physical record, so I don't think that's going to make it at street date, but it'll be on all major streaming platforms and in the world September 6th. And you hit the road in October, right? October 1st is the, yep, I'm, I'm leaving my job for a couple months and just and doing it. Yep, the first one we're going out east. And then there's another one that I haven't really announced yet that we're going down to Texas and doing the South thing for a while. And I'm looking at it right now, full transparency. It looks like you have a good gap between New Hampshire and Connecticut. So if you need a place to crash, just let me know. Yeah, no, 
I, I appreciate it. There's a there's a small window in there where Em and I are celebrating our two year wedding anniversary. Oh, nice. And we're yeah, we're gonna get it like a either a cabin or some sort of nice little thing in Portland, Maine. I've never been to Maine. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, and do a little do a little me and Em time. That's hope, what you like. To, well, hope, regardless, hope, yeah. I'll see you in that Manhattan uh, Manchester gig for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a good one. I'm excited for it. All right, time for the music break portion of the podcast, bringing you the new song from Jack Seneff that is debuting today, actually. It is called Somewhere. It is off his upcoming album, Good to Know You, which comes out September 6th through Skeletal Lightning Records. So make sure that you go over to SkeletalLightning.com and find yourself a vinyl copy or a CD copy of the album. Uh, It is shaping up to be something that I did not know that I needed in my life this year, uh, but I always love the work that Jack puts out, and I'm really excited to hear the entire album, uh, more than just the three tracks that we have right here. I have my vinyl copy pre-ordered, and I want to make sure that you all are getting out there and getting a copy of it as well. Skeletal Lightning actually put out one of my favorite albums from last year by the band Pool Kids, and it is also very good, so make sure you go to SkeletalLightning.com and learn more. Right now, let's listen to this song called Somewhere by Jack Seneff. Somewhere by Jack Seneff. I hope you really enjoyed that song. Make sure that you go to SkeletalLightning.com to learn all about Jack's upcoming tour dates, as well as to grab a copy of the album. It comes out next week on September 6th. Now let's finish this conversation with Jack Seneff.
let's finish up this conversation, Jack. Let's let me ask you some things that you like in the world. All right. Um, so folks can get to know a different side of you. Okay. Jack, what's your favorite color? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm really into like this, like, <laughs> like, like soft, natural, soft pink, you know, like dusty blue, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, like those, those, those are your Crayola colors. Yeah. Soft you know, pink, but like dusty blue. Yeah, well, it went from Crayola to, like, Pantone as I've gotten older and more, you know, refined. I've never heard the two words dusty and blue next to each other. No, it's a real thing, man. <laughs> it's like it? a soft... Well, so, I mean, I call it Amrando Blue because it's like she... I, I, I'm not a visual artist of any kind, so I don't really know what the proper terms are, but I think Dusty Blue's... Dusty oh, Blue it is! Right. I just looked it up. Yeah, that's totally a thing. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like the earth, like the warm, soft earth tone color. Okay, like yeah, that's, I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. I, like I also love that you refer to your wife the same way I refer to Katie, Katie Ham as Katie Ham. You always call her M. Randall. <laughs> oh, there's no other way. She's never been... She's never... I mean, she's just M to me, but like she's M. Rand she's little M. Randall. You know what I mean? Randall, she has yeah. been for 10 And that's years. Katie Ham. That's right. my best friend, 100%. Katie Ham. That's how I'll always introduce them. My best friend, Katie Ham. <laughs> 100%. I dig it. Um, yeah. So I know that you had Thanksgiving in August, but what is your favorite kind of food to eat in general? Uh, deaf Mexican food, for sure. Nice. If it's me and them together, Italian food, because I think that's her favorite. I mean, it's, it's, it's my favorite too, but I think I, I can eat Mexican food like, two three times a day every day for the oh, rest for of my sure. life I, i'd probably be stoked very much a go-to yeah. um what's your favorite movie oh i'll give you well i'll give you two cool. uh no i'll give you, i think maybe the master is my favorite movie from uh, paul thomas anderson yeah that was a I good just, one yeah i just think it, the score is perfect but i'm it's hard to put things in like a hierarchy of like number one number you know what i mean i i like a lot of different things but the master is like pretty fucking good yeah and it's the one that came to mind so i dig it yeah um what about tv what do you guys what do you what's an all-time show and maybe something you guys have binged at all oh we're we're a big binge for me and emma live a, when i'm not being social you know like right now this is about as social as i get like talking yeah. to someone across the country on the internet um <laughs> so we 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 binge a lot of shows but uh Fuck. I mean, a couple of our like top, like top, top favorites would be like Lost. We've watched Lost a few times. Um, Twin Peaks, mm -hmm. without question. Um, last last summer, I dedicated. This is like during my my little existential crisis. We watched all of Gilmore Girls. Okay. Um, which M had seen before. I had never seen it, but we had watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel when <laughs> that came out, um, which is an excellent show, and it's the same like director and creator like her her real big thing is gilmore girls so i said oh you know maybe we should try it and that i mean it was a fuck was it abc family it was on one of those like uh was it cable i don't know but but each episode's like 45 minutes to an hour and the seasons are massive like 23 episode yep. seasons and i think there's like seven seasons so like i watched hundreds of hours of gilmore girls and I, I just absolutely fell in love. I mean, like I, if I could live in Stars Hollow, I, I would absolutely do it. Oh, that's oh, wonderful. God. Yeah. There's like a yeah. whole subset of people in the scene that love Gilmore Girls, though. I know, I know, and I, you know, I, I hesitate 
just because I, you know, there's always that pushback. I don't want to be like everyone else or whatever, but like there are certain pieces of, you know, art, you know, be it music, TV, movies, whatever that like really just deserve it. And like, Mm -hmm. I think Gilmore Girls is a very special in the same regards that like Twin Peaks has this like incredibly Mm -hmm. weird, just warm sort of, you know, feeling to it. I think Gilmore Girls has all these qualities that are just like you can just dive in, especially too when you spend that many hours with a certain you know in a in a place or with characters, you know they it starts to feel like real life, you know. Yeah, I think um. it's like Gilmore Girls, Veronica Mars, and um, like The Office. The Office is huge. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was the other one that I was thinking of that's like real big for people? Um, that Broad City. Is that what you said? Yeah. People are like, just like a specific show that's kind of like also can define a snapshot in like cultural history. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, because Broad City definitely like attaches to that like millennial like struggle. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. Um, what's, a, what's a favorite uh, place you've ever visited? Oh, I mean, I really love Japan and I hate giving like the big international answer. I think that just sounds stupid and kind of pretentious, but like Tokyo, like all of Japan is like truly like a magical place. It is so clean and beautiful and the people are wonderful and nothing is written in like Roman English. I mean, I guess it is in to- in like the bigger areas, but like, you know, kanji and like, like Japanese characters, you, you feel like you're in a different world. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's absolutely a unique experience. I mean, I'm sure it's that way going to a lot of countries, but I haven't been to a lot of other countries, you know, um, uh, the, uh, uh, a slightly less, um, whatever kind of answer would be Burlington. I love Burlington, Vermont. Oh, I love Burlington. I can't, M, M has been a few times, but I'm excited for her to meet my friends there and like, see it, how I saw it a couple years ago. Like right after I met you, I went up to Burlington and hung out with Tyler and, and it was just a really just lovely experience. Yeah. It's a wonderful place. I've been there a few times. Love it. Yeah. I'll be up there in November. I'm doing a talk at a college up there. It'll be great. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, lastly, I guess other than Chris Staples, what's mm-hmm. another album artist, something that's, uh, that you're into right now. Right now. Let me think. Maybe um, some all time stuff. Hit maybe some. Something. Okay. All right. Well, I, th- I, I think, uh, man, God, that's such a big question. So this year, there's an uh, a band from I, th- I think they're from Indiana actually. It's called uh, his name's Duran Jones. It, the full project name is Duran Jones and the Indications. Okay. Um, I that they they have a album that just came out this year and it's it's cre- it's so wonderful. It's like soul, like it takes from. I don't know, I guess probably it's like somewhere in the 60s, 70s, like I'm terrible at talking about me. Like as much as I listen to it and want to consider myself some sort of like scholar and like, you know, student of music, I can't talk very well about it. But <laughs> anyway, anyway, it's great. And it's honestly a little bit outside of, I think my usual wheelhouse. I tend to listen to like pretty soft, you know, easy music. Um, and this is definitely a lot more upbeat, um, but it's just got such a good groove and the vocals are awesome and the instrumentation I know, let's let's have that be my answer. I like that a lot. Cool, awesome. Well, yeah. is there anything else folks should know about the album coming out? Things that uh, where where they can find it. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's coming out on Skeletal Lightning, um, which is uh, my my friend Sean, my, my 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 father and my manager and my life coach Sean Herman's label. He runs with his wife Morgan, um, who may or may not go by. Mo. They've been calling her Mo now for a long time. <laughs> And I don't know why right now is when I'm uh, trying to publicly talk about it, but I think maybe Morgan is going by Mo now instead of Morgan. So just in case, uh, Sean and, and his wife Mo uh, have a label called Scout of Lightning, and I'm super proud to be a part of that group and that family. And you can find pre-orders for my album there. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. Or jackmsenef.com. Uh, I am on Instagram. I'm on, you know, all the usual the usual links that everyone has. I have those too. Just Classics. look up my name, Jack Jack M Senef S E N F F. And I guess the last thing I'll say, Craig, is that I didn't comment on it earlier. But a big reason I haven't been Jack Senef until now is because I I didn't think anyone would be able to pronounce my last name, and I just <laughs> I just I we're similar. A hundred percent. I mean, Craig, when you said that, I was like, fuck, Craig. This is like I didn't want to just immediately. Oh, well, that's you know. But I just. I've spent a long, like, I still have these sweaty, panicky nights where I go to bed where I'm like, have I made a bad decision? Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't have, my last name isn't Young or Taylor or, you know what I mean? It's not this easily pronounceable universal name. And my wife M always goes, well, look at Sufjan. No one knows how to say Sufjan. Yeah. You know, people think it's Sufjan Stevens. Yep. So if Sufjan. I'm Jackson, yeah, so if I'm Jackson for the rest of my life, I guess there are worse things. But yep. for those in the know, Jack M. Senna. Well, hell yeah. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Today, yeah, Jack. Can't I wait really to see you soon. It, of course. Thank you. All right. See you, man. All right. We did it. Uh, another episode in the books. Pretty stoked that Jack and I got to chat this week. Uh, he's one of my favorite people, and I cannot wait to see him again in a couple weeks when he comes through the N- New England area. It'll be a nice little reunion and probably share some of our conversation from that. Because who knows? Who knows what will happen when we get together again? Uh, but I'm really thankful that we got to have this conversation. I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, beyond that, make sure that you go to SkeletalLightning.com and get yourself a copy of Jack's new album, Good to Know You, which comes out on, again on September 6th. Um, Jack uh, has been putting a lot of work into this album, as you heard. And I'm really excited for the rest of the world to hear all of it. Um, and I, as usual, I also like to end by bringing up Connect EDU Network. Go to connectedu.network to learn more about all the higher ed podcasts and content that we put out. And make sure that you check out Art of Survival at artissurvival.com. The school year is rapidly approaching with my campus uh, opening next week, so I'm hoping that I'll be able to maintain every other week's uh, podcast schedule. Um, My hope is that it will remain unchanged, but who knows? Who knows what will happen? Hell, even right now, I'm in a cabin in the woods of Duxbury, Massachusetts, recording all this on my phone. So hopefully that does not come across very weird through the recordings. But, you know, we do what we can. It's a DIY podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jack. And now I'm going to leave you with a little bit of Jack's song, Old Days. We started with the song at the very beginning, and now we're going to wrap it up, wrap up the podcast with it as well. I'll see you next time. Let's get to work. Got out and I-